Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Welcome to church today. What a good day to be able to worship him. I love as the uh, worship team this morning played the Christmas songs. I, I love that time of the year where we can start singing those songs and looking forward to that day. It's only it's only two weeks away for Christmas. So hopefully you're prepared, getting prepared for that, or maybe just even getting started. Hopefully you get started soon uh, as you prepare for that. As we mentioned in the announcements, uh, Christmas Eve service will be on the Saturday night. We'll have two very large services those nights, and then we will not be having a service on Sunday morning. It's a chance for all of our workers to have time just with their families. We've tried doing that in the past, having um, a service on Christmas morning, but it's so poorly attended that most people come on the Christmas Eve, and then that's where they want to worship, uh, and then spend time with family on Christmas morning. What I would encourage you to do, though, as a family, is read through the gospel account. Read through the story of the birth of Jesus. Read the gospel of, of Luke, uh, the first couple of chapters through the gospel of Luke, or you can read in the gospel of Matthew. But I'd encourage you to spend that time as your family and celebrate together uh, the coming of the Messiah, the incarnation that we talk about of Jesus. And not only that, his return. We look forward to the return of Jesus as well. It's appropriate that we we, in our Advent time, as you watched on that video, that it was a focus of love. What we have been looking at in the beginning part of the book of Ephesians is the plan of love that God has laid out for the world. In fact, the way that it works is that the book of Ephesians can be divided into those three sections, into sit, into walk, and into stand. But in those, each of those sections, there are many sections that deal with specific topics. For example, in verses 1 through 14 that we have been studying on, that is about the plan of God and what God was going to accomplish in the world. That's what we're focused on right now. Today is the last day we'll focus on the plan. This last time we're going to read through these verses, and then we're going to move on from there going forward. This plan is about love. It's about the Father's love. It's about the Son's love, and it's about the Spirit's love that we are going to learn about today. Before we get into this, let's pray and ask for God to bless this time. Father, we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you, Lord. You have the words of life and the words of hope. You have the words that can change us. I pray, Father, that people would hear you, not me, that they would turn aside and listen to your voice and your words and what you have in store for them. Lord, I know it's an individual message that you give to us. You want to speak something to our hearts, and I pray today that our hearts would be receptive to what your plan ultimately is, this incredible, amazing plan of love that you have laid out for all mankind, for all humanity. 
Lord, help us to enter into that. Help us to receive that. Help us to understand what you're communicating to us as we wrap up this section of the book of Ephesians. We thank you for today. We pray for your blessing upon this day. Speak to us now. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray these things. Amen. All right, let me recap for you. We have these this three-part process. We have the Father's love, we have the Son's love, and we have the Spirit's love that is poured out to us. Let's look at it once again. The Father's love, we can see this in verses 3 through 6 of the book of Ephesians. Here's what it says. And let me just highlight some of the words for you and point out some of the things that God wants us to know. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua. We learned about Yeshua last week, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. One of the plans that God has is to bless you. He wants to bless you with every spiritual blessing that he could possibly pour out. Many people think the blessing of God is a financial blessing or it is a uh, you know health blessing or you get the right job. Those things could happen, but they're not the blessing of God that we're looking at here. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everything that we need from God for life, he has blessed us with through Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Now, what did God do? Well, he chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world. Now, what is this choosing? It is the predetermined plan of God before the creation of the world even existed. Before the world existed, God had a plan that Jesus would come and be the Messiah of the world. The Old Testament is full of references to this. It is called prophecies. God was prophesying that the the Messiah will come and he will be the redeemer of the world. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. God the Father predestined us, that is predetermined, that we would be adopted as sons. Now the word sons is a generic word. Children is the more accurate word that we would be adopted as his children through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of God's will. In other words, this makes God happy. This is what God wanted to accomplish. To the glorious praise of his grace, with which he favored us through the one he loves. So let me start by illustrating it in this manner, trying to give you a, a visual picture. There are four steps that are involved in this entire process of God. There is, from the beginning, there is the Father. And the father is going to pass it on to the son. Then there is going to be a process where you and I, so I'm just going to put me, that we are involved. And then there's a process of the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit fit into the entire process of what God is trying to accomplish? So here's the first thing that he says. Before creation happened, so if this is the moment of creation, before creation happened, God had in his mind, everything that was going to happen. He knew that humanity would fall apart. He knew that people would reject him. They would turn their backs on him, but God was not okay with just letting that go. He wanted people to have an opportunity to come to him. 
He knew that people would walk away. He knew that people would rebel. He knew that people would have want nothing to do with him. But he was not okay with that because he loves all people. He loves humanity. He loves his creation. Therefore, before the beginning of time, he had a plan in mind. And the plan was for his son. This plan was going to take place over a period of 4,000 years. From the time of Jesus, or from the time of creation, until the time of Jesus, according to biblical accounts, it's 4,000 years. God knew this before he laid the first part of creation. In the future, 4,000 years, I'm going to send my son for a specific purpose. He sent Jesus. Why did he send Jesus? Well, the reason he sent his son, so we have the son here. The reason he sent his son is what he told us, because he wants to adopt us. He wants to bring adoption to us. He wants us to be a part of his family. He wants to make us holy and blameless. That was God's plan. I want to make you holy and blameless. I want to adopt you. How am I going to do this? Here's what I'll do. I will send my son. And my son will carry on the baton. He'll take the next step of the plan. Okay, what is the next step of the plan? Let's look at it. The son's love. Here's the next step of the plan. In him, in who? In Jesus. We have redemption through his blood. We have the removal of trespasses in keeping with the richness of his grace that he lavished on us. So what is he saying? What does he mean by all of this? Well, go back to this idea. Here's what he's saying. The son is going to bring, he is going to bring redemption. He's going to redeem the world. He's going to give the world forgiveness. He's going to forgive the world. He's going to bring the world grace. Who is it for? It's for me. It's for you. He has given redemption, forgiveness, and grace to you. This was the plan of the son in carrying on the baton. He wanted to redeem you. What does that mean? He wanted to set you free from the mess you were in. He wanted to set you free from the bondage you were in. He wanted to remove the chains that were holding you down. He wanted to take the backpack off that you were carrying around with all of the heavy weight. He wanted to remove your trespasses. It's all based upon the grace that he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned a Messiah. Here was his plan, ultimately, is that the fullness of times is to bring all things together in the Messiah, in the Christ, in Jesus. Everything comes together in him. Both things in heaven, things on the earth are in him. In him we were also chosen. We were, we were predestined, predetermined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will so that we who were first to put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. So go back to our little illustration. What is he saying? He's saying that before the beginning of time, he had a plan for his son to be the redeemer, to be the forgiver, to be the grace for me so that I could be adopted into his family and I could be made holy and blameless. Well, there's another part of the process. We've got two more legs of the process that have to be dealt with, and that is going to be the spirit. 
the Spirit's love. Here's what it says next in, ver- in the next uh, verses here. <laughs> Excuse me. He says this, after you heard the message of the truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the, in Hebrew, called the Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach means the wind or the breath. HaKodesh just means holy. That's where we get our idea of Holy Spirit, Holy Wind, Holy Ghost comes out of that phrase. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession to his glorious praise. Right in these two verses, you have the closing of all of the loop of God's plan. And I want you to notice a couple of words out of this. After you heard... The message of truth, when you put your trust in him, you were sealed. That's what we're going to look at today, that there's a three-step process. You've got to hear, you've got to respond, and when you do, you are sealed by him. So now, in our little outline now, it's about me. And it's going to be about what the Holy Spirit does in me. Let's look at this together, starting with this idea of the word here. The word here in the Greek language, or as he says, you when you first heard. The word heard, the word here, is the Greek word which means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, to not be deaf. That's all it is, is to not be deaf. Now, not being deaf, meaning you can actually hear, doesn't mean you always hear. It doesn't mean that you're always paying attention. It doesn't mean that you're always listening. Uh, The other day, I was trying to get a hold of my grandson. He was at our house. My grandson had the tablet. I was maybe three feet away from him, and I said to him, Luke, and he didn't respond. I said, Luke, he didn't respond. I said, Luke. And he finally looked up and said, oh, what? He wasn't listening to what I was saying. He could hear. He had the faculty of hearing, but he wasn't actually listening to what I was saying. If you have kids or if you are married to a man, you know exactly what that's like. <laughs> You're trying to talk and they're not responding. They're not listening. You're, they're hard of hearing or they're stubborn or they're not paying attention. That's what the word means. Heard, is, but it's more than just not being deaf. The word heard means to perceive, to comprehend, to understand, and to pay attention. So what is Paul saying? When you first perceived, when you first understood, when you first comprehended, when you first paid attention to the good news, then something amazing happened in your life. And it takes paying attention, understanding, perceiving, and comprehending. See, there are a lot of people who have heard of Jesus. There are a lot of people who have heard the message of the gospel, what we call the good news. But fewer people have actually perceived, comprehended, understood, and paid attention to what God was doing. That is the catalytic moment where you finally are able to be in a position where God is able to get a hold of you. Because you really paid attention and you really perceived and you really understood. 
I remember in my own life going through periods of time where I was just deaf to the message of the gospel. I wasn't really paying attention. I had heard it. I had heard it many times. I had heard of Jesus many times, but there was a moment in time where I finally paid attention and I received what God was saying. Let me give you a good illustration of this. In the book of Exodus, the person of Moses, really fascinating study to read through and follow the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. Moses had, um, had basically he was growing up in a royal household. He was adopted into Pharaoh's household, growing up in a royal position. He realized who he really was, and when he did, he thought, well, I'll set everybody free. I'll set all of my Hebrew brethren free, and he did so by committing a murder. He had tried to do it in his own strength. Once he had done that, he fled because he knew life is going to change. He ran away from the consequences of what he had done of his actions. As he ran off, he went into the wilderness and he met a family and he lived there for 40 years and he he got married, he had the kids, and he became a shepherd, just a, taking care of sheep. That's what his job was. That's what he was doing. God had a call on his life, and God was trying to get a hold of him. He may have been speaking to him, and Moses wasn't listening. But there was a moment where Moses finally comprehended, perceived, understood, and paid attention to God. And it was through this thing that we refer to as this burning bush moment. Here's what it says in the book of Exodus. Exodus 3, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And Moses led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to a place called Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, let me just note something here. Anytime as you're reading the Bible and you see this phrase, angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, most scholars believe, and I would include myself in that, believe that's a reference to Jesus appearing in the Old Testament because of the way the phraseology is said in the original language. So think of it this way. Moses is there tending sheep and Jesus showed up. Jesus wanted to get a hold of him, have a conversation with him. And so Jesus appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked and, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So, so something caught his attention. He's walking around, taking care of sheep, notices a bush on fire, but it's not, being, it's not burning up. And it's like, what is going on? And he looked at that and he saw that it was not being consumed. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why? The bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see... God called to him out of the bush. Now, I want you to notice this phrase. When the Lord saw that he, who's he? That's Moses. When God saw that Moses turned and looked, that's when God called him out of the bush. Okay, so I'm sorry. That was um, really crooked, and that's going to that's gonna bother me a lot. So... All right, now my thing is not working here. Come on, there we go. Okay, so I got to redo that. 
So I apologize for that. God called him out of the bush. So here's, and Moses said, or the, out of the bush, God said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Let me give you the, the picture of this. Moses is just doing, minding his own business, walking through, sees a bush. It's on fire, not being consumed. God could have spoken to him, but he didn't. Instead, he, saw, he, he looked at Moses. Moses turned aside, paid attention, and that's when God spoke to him. And God said, this is a holy moment. Take off your sandals. Recognize what I am doing in your life. There are times in our lives that God is trying to get a hold of us. And we aren't turning aside and paying attention to what he's doing. How many divine and holy moments have we missed because we are so engaged in our agendas? We got a we got a list. We got to accomplish. I got things I've got to do. I, I I don't have time for this. I don't have time for God. I don't have time for a quiet time with the Lord in the morning. I'm not really in tune with Him. And God is trying to do, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, not a burning bush, maybe it's a, a child in your life. And God says, pay attention. I'm trying to talk to you. Or maybe it's a burning, not a bush, but a car beside the road. And he wants you just to turn aside and look. And once you do turn aside, then God speaks and says, this is a holy moment. Take off your sandals. Now, I'm not saying you have to literally do that. He wants you to recognize the gravity of the moment. Too often, we miss what God is trying to do. I, I had this. It wasn't really a God moment, but I had this this past Wednesday. Um, <clears throat> Wednesday night before our adult Bible study, I was walking through the kids' ministry area, and little girl who's a part of the kids' ministry there every Wednesday, this just precious little girl, she came up to me as I'm walking through the, I, I had something on my mind. I think I had to talk to Jennifer about something or maybe going to fill up my water cup. I don't know what it was, but I was walking through quickly through the children's ministry. And this little precious girl came up to me and just, she's always so cheerful and said, hi. And I said, oh, hi, sweetheart. How are you? And then I turned my attention back to either Jennifer or going wherever I was going. And I just didn't even pay attention. And my wife kind of got in my face and looked at me and said, listen to her. And when my wife says, listen, I, I tried to listen because she said so. So I said, I stopped, I turned and I looked at her. And I said, yes, honey, what would you like? And she wanted to take me over to the table and show me her little purple Bible that she had brought to church with. And she had put little tabs on all of the books and she was so excited. And she wanted me to see this, this, this Bible that she had brought. And I had to turn aside and pay attention in order to understand what she was trying to say. See, many times God is trying to get your attention. But we are so focused, so busy, so, so engaged in our own life that we are missing what God is saying. When Paul writes and says, "You, when you heard the gospel, he's saying, when you finally turned aside... And paid attention and listened to what God was saying, then it was a holy moment. God was there. Take off your sandals. This is an ordained thing of God. Pay attention to what he is doing. So that's the first step of the process. You've got to hear him. 
And the only way you hear him is to turn aside and listen to him. And when you hear him, it's more than just with your ears. It's a spiritual hearing him. The depth, the perception, the understanding, the comprehending for the very first time. When you do that, the next step is you learn to respond. So not only do I hear him, now I have to respond to him. Again, let's look at this, the verse. After you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation, of what Jesus did, and when you put your trust in him. That's the response. He's asking you to put your trust in him. What does this mean when it comes to how do I respond to this? Well, the word for trusted in the Greek is a word that means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person. He's not just asking you to hear it. He's asking you to respond to it. How do we respond to it? We respond with faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is the ability to believe him and the ability to act upon that belief. So let me explain it this way. Faith is belief plus action. What do I mean by action? Is that something you have to do? No, not, not really. He's saying believe me and Obey me, believe me and walk with me, believe me and surrender to me, believe me and let me run your life, believe me and uh, sacrifice for me, believe me and if necessary, give your life for me. I want you to believe me and I want it to put into action in your life. There's a lot of people who would say, well, I, I believe in God, but I'm not going to let him affect my life. See, see, I'm not. I, I'm going to believe in him, but I'm not going to obey him. I mean, why would I obey him? Why would I obey him with my marriage? Why would I obey him with my finances? Why would I obey him with my dating life? Why would I obey him in parenting my kids? I'll believe in him, but just leave me alone and let me do my own thing. Well, that's not what trusting in him is. Trusting is you believe him and you're going to put it into action. On Wednesday night, I told this story, and I'll tell it here for Sunday morning, but there was a story in the late 1800s, early 1900s, of a very famous tightrope walker. I don't know if we have those today. I'm sure that there are people that do that, but I don't know if they would have the fame that this person did at that time. This was like newspaper headlines around the country is what this person generated. It wasn't just around the country, it was around the world. He was famous as a tightrope walker. Well... One of the actions that this person did in his tightrope walking is that he decided he was going to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. So he had them stretch a tightrope from one side of the falls to the other side of the falls, and he was going to walk back and forth across this tightrope, which is exactly what he did. They put it across. Crowds would gather and watch the feats that he would accomplish on the tightrope. He would walk across, and then he got so that he would do all kinds of other things other than just the standard walking across. One time he walked across, but he didn't walk forward. He walked backwards across the tightrope, across Niagara Falls, a long stretch of tightrope. 
One time, he rode a bike across the tightrope as he was walking across. Another time, amazingly, he took a chair with him. He balanced the chair on the tightrope, sat on the chair, and read a newspaper as he was out there in the middle of the tightrope. People were amazed at what this person could do. One particular day, he got a wheelbarrow. And he walked across the tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow. And then he walked backwards across, pulling the wheelbarrow with him. The crowds would cheer, and they were amazed. And it was incredible what he was accomplishing on the tightrope. He looked at the crowd as they were gathered, and he said to them, How many of you believe that I could get a volunteer, they could go in this wheelbarrow, and I could successfully push them across this tightrope? All of the crowd cheered. Everybody raised their hand. We all believe you. Then he said this, whom among you will be the first volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow as I push them across? Not a single hand went up at that moment. Not a word was spoken. I believe you, but I'm not willing to put my belief into action. See, belief, faith is belief and willing to take a step, putting it into action. I believe in you, God, so I'm going to surrender my marriage to you. It's not what I want. It's what you want. I believe you, and I'm willing to turn my checkbook over to you, God, and I'm willing to trust you with it. I believe you, and I'm willing to give up this thing that I'm doing because it's disobeying you. Faith is an amazing thing, and it's what God calls us to respond with. So what is the message of the gospel? It is you hear and you respond. Religion, as I have mentioned many times before, is man's attempt to reach God, to earn God's favor. That's not what God asked for. Never has he asked for that. What God has asked for is this. Do you hear? And will you put your trust in me? If you do that, God's promise is this. You will be saved. I will, how do I know that that's the case? Well, that's the next part of it. The third part of the process is that we are sealed. We're sealed. Look again. Paul writes this. After you heard the message of the truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, what was the result? You were sealed. (coughs) With the promised Holy Spirit. He, the promised Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance. He is the guarantee until the redemption of his possession to his glorious praise. So let me go back to the um, let me go back to the the drawing that I had had before and just let's let's fill in the blanks. So the father, the father here had a plan to send his son. When his son came, his son redeemed, forgave, and gave grace to all. How do I receive it? Well, for me, he says this. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to hear. So he says, I want you to hear, and I want you to respond. I hear, 
I understand, I receive the message, and I respond by putting my faith in him, my trust in him. When I put my faith and my trust in him, that is the next step. Then he says, when you do that, the result is now you are sealed by the Spirit. When you're sealed by the Spirit, there's going to be a fourth step. Let me get to that in just a minute. When you hear, you are going to be sealed by him. So what does that mean to be sealed? Well, the Greek word for the word sealed is the word that means to set a seal upon. Mark with a seal. To set a mark upon by the impress of a seal or a stamp. What does that do? What does a seal do? Well, it proves the authenticity of the thing that was sealed. So here's how this would work in that day. And it works this way in our day too. If you are, if you were, uh, let's say a king wrote up a document with orders, they would roll up the document into a scroll. They would take wax, put it across where the papers would meet, put that wax seal, and the king would often have a signet ring that he would press upon the wax that would then show authenticity. This is the king's seal. This is a an authentic document. This is not a, a copy. It's not a fake. It is an authentic document. They do the same thing today. Today, you may have something sealed. You may have something notarized. Might be something that just says, I am attesting to the authenticity. If you buy a piece of property, they will have that document notarized or that document guaranteed saying, this is authentic. This is right. I recognize that that's, that that's the case. When you responded to the gospel... God took wax, put it on you, took his ring, put his ring down on you, and now you have the mark of God in your life. Do you know what the opposite of that is in the end times? It's the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. People will be marked or sealed with one of two marks or seals, either the mark of God or the mark of the beast, either the seal of God or the seal of the beast. If you have been sealed with God, if you have received the Holy Spirit, you are his. You do not have to worry about the mark of the beast. You will not accidentally stumble into taking the mark of the beast. You will absolutely know. It will be without a doubt. It will be clear because it will involve the worship of the Antichrist and the worship of a beastly empire. And you will know. You cannot accidentally get a COVID vaccine and have taken the mark of the beast. It does not work that way. It is a willful knowledge of that this is the mark, the seal of the beast. Because it involves the worship of, the bowing down to whatever the beast is. You will have... And you do have, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are sealed by God with his Holy Spirit. You are confirmed, authentic, guaranteed. That's what it is. So it's not only are you marked with this seal, he says it this way, he is also the guarantee. And that's what I want you to notice. That's what I want to end with here. You are the guarantee, or he is, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Guarantee of what? 
of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession. What does this mean? Well, let me tell you what the word is, and then we'll finish out this little, this little diagram. The word guarantee is the Greek word meaning an earnest. What does that mean? Well, it's a pledge or an earnest. Now, what is an earnest? Well, you've heard of this before, an earnest deposit. What is an earnest deposit or a money given as a pledge? Well, if you want to buy something, maybe it's, again, a piece of property, you will put down earnest money to say, I'm serious, and I'm giving you my earnest money as a sign of what I will do in the future. I will give you the whole amount in the future, but for now, I'll give you a pledge, a down payment. That picture of earnest money that you gave when you purchased a piece of property, purchased a house, maybe you purchased a car, you put down a deposit. That's the same thing that God is saying. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of what is to come. He is the earnest money that you get now until the future, until the inheritance happens. He, he again said it this way, it's until the redemption of his possession. So what does this mean? Just close this little loop that we are making here. You have received the Holy Spirit who sealed you, and the sealing of the Holy Spirit then is the guarantee until you go to the Father. Until you die. He is the deposit that God put into your life until you go be with God. Does this make sense? He is the down payment. And if he is the down payment, it's just a small portion of what the ultimate payment is going to be. And so here's a better way to say that. It would be this way. The spirit of God will be with you until you can be with the father. He's the down payment. He's the earnest money. He's the pledge. You were sealed, stamped, marked. You're authentic. And once that has happened, he was given to you as the pledge, the earnest money, until you go back be with the Father, and you can then be in the Father's presence, and you're going to receive everything at that point. We have today within us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is phenomenal that we have within us. The Holy Spirit was given by God as the down payment. And how great the Holy Spirit is, is nothing in comparison to what it will be like when you go and you receive the full thing. Does that make sense? The fullness of God. This was the ultimate plan that he had. The plan was this, that the Father, before the foundation of the world, had an idea in mind. I want them to be mine. I want to adopt them. I want them to be holy and blameless. Yes, the world is going to fall apart. I know it's going to fall apart, but I want to make a way. So here's what I'll do. I'll send my son, and my son will redeem them. And my son will forgive them, and my son will give grace to them. But they have to respond. And if they don't respond, they get nothing. But if they respond to me, if they, re if they hear, and they have faith, and they believe, and they put their trust in me then I'm going to mark them as authentic and I'm going to seal them and then the Holy Spirit will be with you giving you the power to live life giving God's presence in your life until you go be with the Father through death or his return 
And then you get the whole thing. That's the amazing thing that Paul is talking about in these verses of the Father's love. Now, let me give you a couple of verses as we close. Number uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, it says this. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is within you. And the Holy Spirit is that which you have from God. You're not your own. You have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In the way that you live, be obedient to him. Because he gave you his spirit. His spirit is within you. Romans 8, 9, and then 14 through 16, it says, You, however, you're not like the rest of the world. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God actually dwells in you, if you've really been sealed by Him. If you haven't been sealed by Him, it's because you're not really His. Well, how do I know? Well, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to God. But anyone who does have the Spirit belongs to God. He's been given as a down payment. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How do I know if I have the Spirit? Well, the Spirit is leading your life. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How do you know? Well, the Spirit of God gives confirmation in your life that you really are his. He speaks to your spirit, giving you confidence helping you to know, you know, you are his child. You have been sealed. He is the guarantee that you will go back be with God. He's the down payment. And if you've received a down payment, the full payment is coming. And the full payment is going to be given when you cross that heavenly line. God's ultimate plan is because he loves you. He loves humanity. He doesn't want to leave humanity as orphans. He doesn't want to leave them hopeless. He doesn't want to leave humanity powerless. He wants to give you a chance. So he wants to bring you into his family. How does he do that? Through his son. Through me receiving and responding to him. When I do that, the Holy Spirit comes on me. I'm sealed by the Spirit. I've been given the down payment. Now I'm going to walk with him until that final day where I can walk no more that I will go to be with him or he will return and collect me one of the two but that is the guaranteed process that God has given the love of the father the plan of the father has been brought full circle it's what he wanted to accomplish it's what he did accomplish and what he is still working to accomplish as we go to be with him so today it starts in this manner have you received him? Have you accepted him? Have you welcomed him? Have you heard his voice? Have you heard his cry? Have you heard his reaching out? Have you responded in faith? When you do, the Holy Spirit is sealed upon you. You've got his mark of approval and you've got the guarantee that you will go be with him one day. We're going to close today with a word of prayer, and then we're just going to dismiss after this word of prayer. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray 
And we close out this service here today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you love us, though we don't deserve it. We have already learned that though we are not worthy, we are worthwhile to you. We matter to you. Why? I don't know. I don't know, Lord, why you put up with humanity. I don't know why you put up with us. I don't know why you continually forgive us. I don't know why, Lord, but you do love us. Your plan from the beginning of time was that you would send your son to be our redeemer and that you're calling us not to be religious, but to instead hear you and respond to you, to put our trust in you, to walk with you by faith. When we respond in that way, you seal us and you give us the down payment. Father, I want to pray for those who have never made the decision to accept you, those that are here or those that are watching, that this would be the time where they say, Jesus, I do hear your voice. I want to receive you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want to walk with you by faith. Pray for the ones that are ready and willing to do that, that you would encourage them and help them to know that they are completely redeemed, forgiven, and have been given your grace. Not only that, Lord, that they would know that they are now sealed. They have been made authentic. Lord, for those among us that struggle with that, who wrestle and think, I, I don't know, I don't feel forgiven, or I don't feel like I'm good enough, or I don't feel like I'll never measure up. Lord, just encourage them to know they're your children and that you have sealed them. Help us, Lord, to hear from your spirit today that you would confirm with our spirits that we really are your children. Give us that encouragement and that confidence, whether it's right here or maybe it's later through your word or through something else that we would just be struck with and in awe of the fact that you have said, I, I'm your child and you have put your spirit within me. Thank you, Father, for this day, this time, this holy moment where we can turn aside and look at you. Be with us now as we leave. Help us to be wonderful witnesses in this community for your truth and your grace. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go by the way we act, the way we talk, the way we, we uh, carry ourselves, Lord. Help us to be a wonderful witness for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of your week. I hope to see you back here next week and then in two weeks for our Christmas Eve service. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.